The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. In virtual worship, we gather this autumn Sunday. Let us worship God in spirit and in truth. The liturgy, music, sermon, and cantata are offered in the praise of God for our virtual congregation through WBUR 90.9 FM and our listenership now and later at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership, ministry, and service in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, when one day it is again possible, your presence with us here in worship. Today's service of worship includes, as is our decade-long practice on Cantata Sundays, the Dialogue Sermon, new this week, along with music and liturgy rebroadcast from earlier services. Please also visit our website for information and guidance about current ministry, education, program, and service. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it.
May we pray together. O God, you declare your almighty power chiefly in showing mercy and pity. Grant us the fullness of your grace that we, running to obtain your promises, may become partakers of your heavenly treasure. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, we begin each hour of worship receiving the pardon, grace, mercy, love, and peace of God. We begin with a moment of confession to recognize that in the days to come, we may need to draw on that heavenly storehouse of grace. When we choose, need to choose, to give another the benefit of the doubt, to lean in, to lean forward, to remember the tie goes to the runner, to give another what we have received, the benefit of the doubt. As the choir sings, may we pray silently. for thy grace we would not be, but for thy grace we could not love, but for thy grace we should not speak, but by thy grace we live and love and speak. Hear good news, if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the St. Paul's Epistle to the Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall, should bend, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, 
just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The word of the Lord. Please join me in reading verses from Psalm along with the antiphon. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from old, things that we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us. We will not hide from them their children. We will tell the coming of generation, the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. In the sight of their ancestors, he has worked marvels in the land of Egypt, in the fields of Zoan. He divided the sea and let them pass through it, and made the waters stand like a heap. In the daytime, he led them with the cloud, and all night long with the fiery light. Slit rocks open in the wilderness, and gave them the drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. Please rise as you're able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapter 21, verses 23 through 32. Glory to you. O Lord. When he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd. For all regard John as a prophet. So then, so they answered Jesus, we do not know. 
And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. This Sunday, we are confronted by one of the most endearing and most alluring little parables in all of scripture, maybe in all of literature. How it fits with the rest of the lessons is not entirely clear, nor is it clear how the lesson in Matthew fits with the other assigned readings for the day, Philippians and our Psalms say. But the collision of order and answer, of beckoning and response has to haunt A man has two sons. Already the plot is thickened with rivalry, with competition, with family intrigue. Then the preaching of the gospel occurs. The vintner, we will prefer vintner to father here, tells something. It is a statement that beckons, not formally a question or even an invitation, simply a command. Go, he commands. Albert Schweitzer would be pleased. Go and live, go and work, go and love, go and prune, go and pluck, go and tend your garden. Go, up and go. Every day and every Lord's day, the word arises to us, singeing our nostrils. Go. The day accosts us with a challenge to do the good, to a choice, if John Dewey is right, between goods. You know, you may have a feeling about a feeling abroad. Some of us sometimes have a sinking feeling that things are not going so well, that things are drifting or worse. We see cultural wounds that do not heal. We see environmental gashes that we rue, fire burning, burning, burning. We see a national economy that leaves out at least 14 million people the equivalent of the total population of New England, maybe twice that when you get everybody counted. We see a beloved country and respected government that can't seem to provide national leadership to face a national pandemic problem, countrywide leadership to face an invasion with now 200,000 dead, no national testing, no national equipping, no national protocols. We listen again to the cries of anguish from minority communities, communities of color, stinging still from policing that harms rather than heals. And step lightly here, ten cuidado. It is hard to oppose without being shaped by what you oppose, maybe to some measure impossible. It is hard to oppose without being shaped by what you oppose, maybe to some measure impossible. You know then, There is an ennui abroad, measures of anxiety and depression, perhaps inevitable to some measure if one is aware, listening, thoughtful, a languishing in doldrums of pervasive malaise. So when the word comes, come Sunday, up, go, you, work, vineyard, today, uh, we may just pull up the covers and sleep in or call in sick or drive in late or We're just not sure really what we can do, whether we can do anything about all these irremediable driftings. What difference does it make what I do? So the despond whispers. So says son number one, I will not go. Son number two, the craftier of the two, evades the compliant, not the defiant one, He says, yes, Mrs. Cleaver, but he doesn't go. He never meant to. He just doesn't like conflict. Well, who does? But then the first son has a change of heart. 
Now we find this so encouraging, heartening, lovely. Up front, he says, no way, no way, Jose. He's defiant and willing to say it. I don't think so, Mr. Vintner, Mr. Father, Mr. Voice, Mr. Life, Mr. Daytime. I think I will just turn in my ticket. Thanks, but no thanks. But then he has a change of heart. Will you notice with me that the main thing we want to know is not told to us? We want to know what changed the heart, what did the trick, what sealed the deal, what moved the lever. And the Bible says, address not known. Edmund Steinle would be pleased. In other words, it is shrouded in mystery. So we are a little free to speculate. We do not know what brought the change of heart, but we know what can bring a change of heart, and we are offered it here and now, hic et nunc, this Lord's day. Beauty. An experience of the beautiful can change the heart. A thank you note, a sunrise, a poem, a violin sonata, a student remembering a childhood hurt and letting it go, there is a beauty in that kind of moment. Or a cantata. When you pause for prayer or worship on Sunday, you may be saying, no, no, I will not. You may not be not willing to have any change, let alone a change of heart. It is in that very condition that John Wesley went in the rain to Aldersgate Street in May of 1738. No, I will not go to the vineyard. Not today, baby, not today. No, no, I will not send another check, make another volunteer phone call, engage another disagreement, write another letter to the editor, another op-ed, another sermon, another apparently futile attempt to change the direction of things, another prayer, another something, another anything. No, I will not try again to oppose vulgar, profane trash talk rising like a tide all around us, let someone else take it on. But come Sunday, you tune in to virtual worship, you listen for the regular rhythm of ritual, you receive again the confession of the church and beauty, organ, hymn, holy writ, word spoken, Bach. Said Scott Allen Jarrett, music can say things that words never can. One of the winds beneath our wings comes from our music ministry. Yes, at Christmas and Easter and on communion Sundays and for special university services like matriculation and baccalaureate and Martin Luther King Sunday and others, but also, and notably so for us, on our twice a term Bach Sundays, the word and music of these days keep us moving forward together. Beauty is like that. Dr. Jarrett, it is good to have you alongside this morning, to have you here, to have your presence, faithfulness, voice, and talent offered to God and neighbor. It cannot be easy to lay down the weekly rhythms of choral music so heart-central to your work and our life. You have heard me quip before that what silence is to the Quakers and the Eucharist is to the Catholics and Leviticus is to the Bible Baptists and the grim doctrine of Presbyterian of predestination is to the Presbyterians and the epistle to the Romans is to the Lutherans. Singing, singing, singing is to us as Methodists and as Marsh Chapel. So we are grateful for the archival gifts and treasures that you have crafted over long time. Greet us and teach us this Lord's Day. Thank you, Dean Hill. On the radio the other day, a commentator asked listeners what they most looked forward to when the veil of pandemic is finally lifted. I listened along, and among the respondents, a physician called in and said that the first thing that she wanted to do was to gather her amateur string quartet together once again. My heart smiled hearing this. Perhaps yours does too. Are we not all starved for beauty, Dean Hill? 
Beyond revealing a crucial litmus of our values and the possibility of our strivings, the pursuit of beauty so often models the best path forward and offers a way to make sense of it all, a reconciling grace, if you will. We so sorely need this today. And I can't tell you how lonely it is to stand here in the chancel of Marsh Chapel, flanked by Handel and Bach and the wood carvings to my right and left, without the beloved members of our musical community alongside, pursuing together the beauty of which I speak. Our archives recall one such highlight in the pursuit of that beauty. When the chapel choir and collegium last studied and performed Cantata 179, this, to the learned listener, is Bach's arched lesson on heuchelai, or hypocrisy. So, Dean Hill, by all means, go, sow, toil, labor, get to your vineyard, Mr. Vintner, but you better make certain that your pious airs are sung with a pure heart. For Bach, the gospel text for Sunday, August 8, 1723, was the Luke story, the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee, both praying in the temple. Bach's lesson here is heavy-handed, and it's a warning against the hypocrisy of the Pharisee, but an injunction to all of us to align our inner and outer attitudes of faith. Furthermore, our own depravity of sin weighs us down, and it is only by acknowledging our sin before God that we may attain God's mercy and grace. Listeners, I think you'd better get another cup of coffee. With these cantatas, we have come to trace the message um, as a move, broadly speaking, from orthodoxy at the beginning to a personal or pietist devotion in the arias, and then back out to the corporate expression of lessons learned with the final chorale. Let's consider the two arias from the central portion of the cantata first. Each is preceded by a recitative in which Bach's librettist reminds the listener of the elements of the Lucan parable. The tenor leads off by indicting today's Christians as puffed up, aufgeblasnet, uh, outwardly righteous, and ultimately lacking in inner purity of faith. He sings a scathing aria, likening these hypocrites to apples of Sodom, a fruit that dissolves into ash and smoke once they are picked. Though they gleam on the outside, they are filled with unflat, filth. And in case you hadn't guessed it, none of this will hold up before God. The second pairing of recit and aria brings this message home to us personally, a more immediate and personal call to true piety and faith. The bass reminds us that the only way to attain relief from the sinful state is to acknowledge our sins before God. Next comes the most beautiful aria in the cantata, sung by soprano with two hunting oboes, the oboe zakacha, today played by two English horns, the message is a plangent and pious prayer for mercy. The interweaving oboe lines played over the pulsing continual line set up the soprano's fervent plea for mercy. In the middle of the aria, she describes the depth of her sin as coming from within her bones and that they drown her in a deep mire. Listen for the text painting throughout this aria used by Bach to depict the weight of her sin. Without any turn toward promised redemption, the cantata concludes with, as anticipated, um, a four-part chorale setting. Here, Ich armer Mensch continues the distressed state of the soprano by sustaining the emotion and thereby the congregation takes up the soprano's prayer. This cantata is decidedly didactic, start to finish, with a moral of the story appearing right from the front as the text of the first movement. And that text, siehe zu, see that you, das deiner Gottesfurcht nicht heuchelei sei. See, see to it that your fear of God is not a heuchelei, a hypocrisy. And do not serve God with a false heart. Bach sets this opening movement in an older style of polyphonic writing. And as much as the text is an injunction or a rule, 
This polyphony is also a rule, that is, a fugue. But there's one element that truly takes this form to heights only possible in the hands of Bach. The second entrance of the fugue is the complete inversion of the first entrance. That is to say, the two subjects, the inner and the outer, are a mirror image. In so doing, Bach creates a fugue that bears the same message on the outside as on the inside, a musical device that proves the enduring lesson of the gospel. Dr. Jarrett, listening again to Matthew and the parable, we recall that, you know, sometimes we come saying no, but we leave saying yes. The envisioned mission of Mars Chapel is to be a heart in the heart of the city and a service in the service of the city. Our use of President Merlin's epigram means city as the global city and service as worship and work. Our foci guiding this envisioned mission, our voice, vocation, and volume. This year we take our lead from the new refreshed Boston University plan, especially its own five-fold foci, academics, research, globality, diversity, community. With Bach, we take research into a different direction and dimension. Research. Twice a term, the director of music, Dr. Scott Allen Jarrett, engages our collegium, choir, community, and listenership in a full morning of teaching about J.S. Bach and enjoyment of a Bach cantata and worship. The Bach experience, lecture, gathering, worship, and sermon, this very dialogue between the director and the dean just now our novel and preeminent advancements in learning and performance, and our own proffered sort of research. They also will contribute to the Dean's emerging work in biblical theology and ongoing multi-year study. We commit to the enhancement of this project. What changes the heart? What baptizes the person, the heart, the spirit? The beauty of the music this morning is itself a sort of baptism. We sometimes long to take a spiritual shower to bathe ourselves in the living waters of grace, faith, hope, life, and love. Especially, it may be stressed, in autumn 2020, we may have the need for spiritual cleansing in the midst of subcultural murkiness. We need both judgment and mercy, both honesty and kindness, both prophetic upbraid and parabolic uplift. What pierces transforms, moves the heart. Beauty does, it does. It says, it whispers, it reminds. There are a lot of things wrong, but there are a lot of things right. Somebody wrote this cantata, sheer beauty. Someone practiced it and taught it, sheer beauty. Someone sang it and played it, sheer beauty. And here we are, here I am. We hear it, we hear it. Music can say things that words never can. Maybe number one son huffed, no. Then he saw moonlight on the Sea of Galilee, or his wife was singing a lullaby as the children went to sleep, or he remembered a part of a psalm, or he remembered the loving and lovely self-giving of a loved one, maybe that of his father, now long dead, or a friend came by, or a friend came through. And then he thought, well, maybe. Well, maybe. Maybe things are bad, but maybe they can get better, and maybe better is the only good there will be. Maybe that, that is what you will think following today. Beauty stands beside me. Beauty stands beside me. I hear, I hear, I hear. Maybe I will say yes after all, yes to a new challenge. Maybe I will remember Camus' doctor in the plague saying, decency consists of doing my job. The only way to fight the plague is with decency. Maybe Vaclav Havel's proverb will seize me, live within the truth. Maybe I will take deeply to heart my friend Reed Cooper's definition of faith as the personal positive answer to the question, whether life has meaning. Maybe Jorge Luis Borges was right. 
Any life, however long and complicated it may be, actually consists of a single moment when a person knows forevermore who he or she is. Maybe this is that moment. Maybe I will turn around, receive a change of heart, and say yes. Maybe you will turn around, receive a change of heart, and say yes.
heutige Christentum ist leider schlecht bestellt. Die meisten Christen in der Welt sind launisch Laudizea und aufgeblasene Pharisäer, die sich von außen fromm bezeigen und wie ein Schilf den Kopf zur Erde beugen. Im Herzen aber steckt ein stolzer Eigentrum. Sie gehen zwar in Gottes Haus und tun da selbst die äußerlichen Pflichten, macht aber dies wohl einen Christen aus. Nein, Heuchler können auch verrichten. Ein Heiligwesen bei und diesen Stelle dir, O Mensch, zum rühmlichen Exempel. Kannst du Gnade und Hilfe 
Lord God, bless the gifts that are offered unto you this day and help us to remember the power of your love and sacrifice as we continue to give you with full heart ourselves today and in the days to come. In your holy name, amen. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit, be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen. <laughs>